0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple: Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Let's look at John's Gospel and see how Jesus calls disciples. You know, it's quite different the way he does it, and I want us to just take note in John chapter 1 of how it's John the Baptist, who actually is, is the one who points his own disciples to Jesus who then leave John and join Jesus. John sees Jesus walking and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. He's already noticed Jesus and identified him at his baptism as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But now he's doing it in the presence of his disciples and two of them hear him speak and they follow Jesus. And in verse 38 it says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And this is the journey that the disciples go on. And, um, and Jesus picks up other disciples along the way. And, and, and then we see these different signs, that are these uh, signs that happen. The beginning, first sign is the miracle of Cana, when Jesus turns water into wine. And the disciples are very much present, and they witness this whole thing. And um, and it says in chapter 2, verse 14, or verse 11, um, that this was the beginning of his signs that he did in Canaan of Galilee. And he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So the signs that they witnessed brought about belief. And, um, and then in verse 12, after this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. And then we have, um, you know, other events that take place at the end of chapter 2 and chapter 3. And then an interesting statement in chapter 4, where, um, where it says in verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Um, and, and so that's a clue that, that Jesus, you know, was actually accelerating the whole movement that John the Baptist had inaugurated as the forerunner for Jesus. And that's upsetting to the uh, Pharisees, right? Because, you know, they were threatened already by John, but now Jesus has all these disciples who are baptizing. And so there's a multiplication of baptizers. And so at that point, Jesus left Judea and went away into Galilee. And it says that he had to pass through Samaria. And um, and that's where you have this beautiful encounter that he has with the Samaritan woman at the well in chapter four. And here we see the the disciples; they're absent from this encounter. They're they're off in town getting food. And uh, and we see them in verse twenty-seven, where it says at that at this point, uh, that's right after actually Jesus had revealed himself as the Christ. You know um, it's amazing the very first person who Jesus reveals himself to as the Messiah is this Samaritan woman and um, and then she becomes actually the first apostle she's sent where she goes to her um, to her village and you know and as a witness she bears witness and and that leads to Jesus being invited into the village where he stays a number of days um, but the disciples seem so clueless you know, um, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman. Okay, that's that's where they're at. You know, they're they're completely clueless. And, um, and yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? And at that point, the w- woman le- leaves her water pot and goes into the city and um, says to the men, come and see the man who told me all the things that I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And then the disciples right after that are just like um, urging Jesus, uh, Rabbi, eat. And Jesus um, says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And then Jesus, um, you know, goes on to, uh, you know, to educate them. You know, his food is to do the will of the one who sent him to accomplish his work. And, and Jesus speaks all these amazing words about about how the fields are white for the harvest um, and, um, inviting them into this harvest. But, but then you, you don't see that the disciples are present. It's, it's like we as readers are, are in the place of the disciples, just watching what he does next. He goes and he, and he hangs out with the Samaritans. And then in verse 46 of John 4, we have this second sign, which, um, I want us to look at now in in greater detail. Verse 46 and 47, Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Okay, so let's set the scene a little bit here. Um, a number of years back, I think in 2013, Gracie and I spent three weeks in Israel and we traveled all over. We you know we spent time, we went to the Sea of Galilee and, and we went up to Nazareth. That's quite a kind of a drive up up the mountain up up up, and then Cana is, is above Nazareth and way up in the mountains. And the day that we went there and visited, we actually drove down to Capernaum. And it was quite a long drive, and from the details of this story a little bit later on, we see that it may have taken like a day and a half uh, for, the, you know, for this official to you know, to walk up or, or to walk back. And so um, this was a real desperate and completely intentional move on the part of this guy who, um, who's down way below... Um, in the valley, in this town that is right on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is up high in the mountains. And so I kind of wonder whether this is, you know, this is, is meant to to place us as readers in, um, in kind of this, almost like this geography where we see ourselves, um, you know, as here on earth and Jesus up in heaven you know we're like the official who has you know the son who who has the the need and we you know we're we're reactivating this story thinking about our own settings we're thinking okay Jesus is in heaven and um and so how you know how do we get to Jesus and how do we get Jesus's help uh once he has left and he has ascended and you know like the situation we're in now Jesus uh, is no longer walking the planet you know he's he spent his his 3 years in ministry you know back in the first century and you know and then he was executed and he resurrected from the dead and he ascended to the heavens and so um you know in in so is this is this story really about um, maybe prayer and how we access um Jesus when when we feel like he's way above us and um, so I, I did a Bible study last night with a bunch of Russian guys in a recovery house in Krasnodar and then today we looked at this text with our faith community you know the Bible study we do at Tiananueva and I was asking people do you ever feel like you um, you know that Jesus is far away and you're trying to access him and um, and and you feel like there's a distance and you have to make a lot of efforts to get to where Jesus is. And uh, people were saying, yeah, I mean, sometimes we do feel desperate and we, and we, um, you know, we do everything we can to get closer to Jesus. And, and I was asking people like, well, what, you know, what do you do? How do you, uh, what efforts do you make to get to where Jesus, where you think Jesus is so that you can get his attention? And we talked about prayer and uh, I gave the example of how once in the jail, I was called late at night by the jail staff because there was someone that was suicidal. And this person had, um, I visited him and and in fact, he had tried to take his life. He he was desperate because, um, he had court the next day, his trial, and, um, he'd made a vow to God that he was going to read the whole Bible prior to his, um, his trial. And he hadn't even gotten past Leviticus, so he'd made it through the first three chapters, for three books of the Bible, and he was despondent because he realized, "Wow, um, I have failed to, uh, you know, to get to Jesus, so to speak, to, to do what I said I would do in order to get His help," and, um, and so he, you know, he was he, he was desperate enough to, to, you know, to threaten suicide, and I. And I had to talk with him about, you know, just how we don't need to, you know, um, make all these sacrifices. Um, you know, Psalm fifty-one. You know, um, sa- sacrifices are not what God wants, but are broken in a contrite heart, right? And um, but anyway, looking at this text, it shows that this uh, that this father, this official, is uh, you know is going the extra mile which maybe for us might be fasting or might be, um, you know, doing things that we think are, are going to please God, like, like stopping an activity that we, that we think we feel guilty about, you know, using a drug or, you know, or some kind of behavior that, that, you know, that we, that we think is wrong or, you know, or maybe worshiping God a lot and, you know, making efforts to, um, you know to I guess win God's favor, and you know religion is really about that, isn't it? It's it's our attempts to please God and get God's attention, uh, so that um, we can get the help that we desperately need. And um, anyway, this guy, what does he do when he comes to Jesus? I mean, he 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 goes that long distance up the mountain from below, and um, and he begs Jesus to come down and to heal his son he was at the point of death Um, do you ever feel like you're you're so desperate that you would beg you know Jesus and you you need him to 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 really come in a physical way I know I certainly felt that way quite a bit and um, and what's interesting is Jesus's response which at, at first read is kind of jarring verse 48 so Jesus said to him Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. If Jesus said that to me when I was in a desperate state of uh, of knowing that my son could die at any moment, I man, I don't know what I would do. But when I read this now and I try to make sense of it, I think what Jesus is saying is that, um, is that we tend to not believe unless we can see something with our own eyes happen right then and there you know we need to see action and um i think jesus was struggling with this throughout the gospel of john you know we see that that he's critiquing the people because uh, maybe they ate of the of the bread when the, when he multiplied the bread and um and they're always believing because they see, but their be- their belief seems really fragile. Um, so anyway, Jesus critiques this uh, need that we have, you know, to see signs and wonders um, as a prerequisite for our faith to be incited. Okay, even though earlier Jesus had said to John's disciples, um, who had asked him, you know, where are you staying? And he'd said, come and see. He'd invited him on this journey. Um You know, what is it that they're supposed to see? What is it that we are supposed to see through these signs um, that Jesus accomplishes? Or maybe we'll we'll know more when we get to the end of this story. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. I love this. You know, this official um, isn't put off by what Jesus says. He just comes back at Jesus with his same request. And um, I can identify with this so much. And really what's going on here is this is prayer. Okay. Um, Prayer is our movement towards God and um, our communication, in this case with Jesus, about our need. And it's a kind of, um, this is like intercession, isn't it? You know, um, the father wants his son to be healed. son is at the point of death and he's desperate and and so he repeats himself and um do you ever find yourself repeating yourself to jesus uh, or to the father or um, whoever you identify as the one you pray to god or or the holy spirit do you find yourself uh you know just repeating yourself over and over and over again i know i certainly do you know when i'm desperate know I just find myself needing to pray um, you know to pray without ceasing and we're called to pray without ceasing but I find myself asking without ceasing because uh, and I think sometimes it's driven by anxiety it's driven by and it's driven by fear and um, and maybe I'm thinking um, since I'm not seeing signs of change um, and I don't know what else to do I all I know how to do is just to ask more and that's what this royal official does, and I, and I totally identify with him. And then uh, I love the next verse, though, verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. And, um, and so Jesus releases this man, doesn't he? He, um, he releases him with an imperative for him to go. And, and it says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. Okay, so in other words, the man stops praying in the sense that he's no longer uh, begging Jesus. He's no longer asking Jesus to come down. He, um, he's he been released from his religious, um, you know, sort of uh, outcry in prayer. His Maybe his anxiety-driven, um, but, you know, faith-filled to some extent, right? Because when he'd heard that Jesus was in Galilee, um, he went to him. And, and, you know, he'd heard that Jesus had healed people. So, you know, that's that shows faith, doesn't it? And yet here Jesus says to him, Go, and your son lives, and the man believes the word that Jesus spoke to him. And so he was released of his burden of prayer, I wonder. I mean, I think. And I wonder, do we know when, um, how to identify when Jesus tells us uh, that we can just go, go to sleep, that we can just... Uh, relax. You know, um, Gracie the other night was uh, really struggling, and she was anxious about about something, was spending a lot of time praying. And she felt, you know, prior to this Bible study or anything, she felt like in the middle of the night, she got this sense that God was telling her, look, um, you need to sleep. It's okay. You don't need to keep praying. Just go to sleep. Otherwise, you're going to be really tired tomorrow. And so she felt released to just, uh, lay down her burden and to go to sleep. And I think maybe this story is showing us something like that. It's teaching us something like that. Jesus is uh, telling the man, look, I don't even need to go down with you. Um, and, you know, that's the situation we're in now, in a way, right? Jesus isn't going to physically come down and touch our our our, our loved ones. And um, Jesus is hasn't returned his second coming is not yet and in this state of the not yet you know we're in this place where we have to trust and um and jesus is, is his physical absence is something that um you know that is anguishing and and yet um, prayer is still a possibility and prayer is is, uh, is a two-way conversation where we speak to god we speak to Jesus, and Jesus speaks to us, and here he says, go, your son lives. Do we notice when Jesus um, tells us, okay, I've heard your prayer, and it's good. You know, I'm, I'm going to answer your prayer. Uh, be at peace. Uh, receive the peace. I certainly want to learn how to identify Jesus' voice as a voice that releases me. And um, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. And as he was now going down, okay, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, um, what, what is it that Jesus said to him? Was it go, your son lives? And, um, and then he himself believed and left, you know? No, it's really interesting that what is stated here is that, um, the father knew that it was the hour that Jesus said to him, your son lives. So it was really Jesus's word that he remembers, um, Right at that hour, and and it's emphasized by the text Jesus's declaration that his son lives, which shows that it's not emphasizing the man's faith, right? And um, and then at that point, when he realizes that Jesus had said your son lives, he himself believed and his whole household. And this is the sec- This was the second sign that Jesus performed when he come out of Judea, into Galilee. So what does this mean for us you know i um i just i'm just really kind of blown away by this text because um what i love about it is that actually jesus healed this boy even faster than he could have healed him if he'd gone in person right and um and the healing happens without jesus being physically present and the healing happens without the man witnessing it. You know, the man didn't see um, his son healed uh, healed right at that moment. He was absent. Jesus was absent, but the man, the son's father, the boy's father, was also absent. And so um, the only ones that are present are, you know, are the servants. And and so this is a repetition of the miracle of, of the of the turning of the water into wine. In the first sign, were the only ones that witness the actual miracle of the water being turned into wine. Are the servants, who um, who Jesus tells uh, to take the empty uh, vessels that are used for the purification of 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 the people coming to the wedding, and to go fill them up, and then to take some of the water from the vessels and bring it to the head, uh, you know, of the wedding feast, and, and it's at that moment that. That, the, that they recognize that the water has been turned into this very, very fine wine. And so it's really only the servants that are witnesses that see. And um, so in this story, the disciples don't see. You know, we don't see. The father doesn't see. But the servants, they know that it was right at that hour when the son is, is made well. And so really, this story just comes around to emphasize um, that really we, we don't need to be able to see, uh, in order to be, in order to believe. And, and this is something that's repeated later when Thomas, you know, who, um, you know, who wasn't present when Jesus, uh, appeared to the, you know, to the, I guess it was the 10 after his resurrection. And, uh, and then when Jesus comes the next night, um, and appears and shows Thomas his hands and his side and, Thomas says, my Lord, my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you've seen blessed are those who believe without seeing. And so, you know, that, that notion of, of believing without seeing is, is really, I guess, recurrent throughout the, the, the gospel of John. And, and so, you know, we as, as disciples of Jesus were invited, you know, to, to learn from this, aren't we? And, um, and I, I really love that here it's not the the Father's faith that is emphasized; it's um, it's really the Word of Jesus that was a response to the Father's intercession. It's the Word of Jesus that affects the miracle from a distance, and um, but it's the Word of Jesus that was given to the Father, who is the intercessor, who is the one who came and who prayed. Um, it was that word that occasioned, you know, the healing of of the son who, you know, who was down below in Capernaum and um, and to me that is, that's something that I I just find so so beautiful and I and I want, I want to let that sink into my heart and I invite you to let that sink into your heart. You know, here um, you know, we, we see as disciples of Jesus an example of of Jesus himself highlighting, you know, um, how belief in the Word of Jesus through prayer, not the written Word, but actually Word that is in the face-to-face of, of, of someone who's an intercessor, who's someone with a desperate need coming to Jesus and then receiving Jesus's Word um, in response. And, and I, I just want us to maybe to cultivate a new, awareness and an attentiveness to the, you know, to God speaking to us in response to our speaking to God or God's Jesus is addressing us, you know, prior to our even addressing Jesus. And so let's let's pray. Jesus, um, we thank you that you you really answer our prayers, you hear our prayers, you you invite us You welcome us into your presence and you um, want us to believe that you hear us and you want us to hear your word telling us that you hear us and telling us that, um, that our prayers are being answered. So we ask that you'd open our ears and that you'd make us attentive and that you would teach us more about, you know, what does it mean to really be your disciples and increase our faith. Help us to have that kind of belief in your word and in the effectiveness and the powerfulness of your word that we can hear in the secret place of our, of our private face-to-face with you in prayer. Help us to be able to believe in the way that this official did and to see the signs and the wonders. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Another little um, footnote here that I want to add is, um, in this story, Jesus is modeling a way of being. And um, he's modeling praying or speaking life over a sick person from a distance. And, you know, in in John chapter 14, Jesus says, um, Greater things than I do, you will do, because I go to the Father. And so... Does this, does that then include even actions like this, um, you know, where when people come to us and want us to go to where they are to pray, we too, you know, can speak a word from a distance of, of a word of healing over someone? You know, I really believe it does. In fact, we had a beautiful experience happen just a couple days ago where um, a woman in our faith community or she's not in our faith community, but she's close to members of our faith community. This is a woman that had spent a lot of time in prison and, you know, but has been clean and sober and, and, but not involved in any, any church activity. But her stepson had, um, or a son that she was, I think like a foster mother to, had been shot in a, in a gang related shooting and was shot through the chest. A 16 year old boy, he was Flown down from our county here to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, and was thought to be like really on his deathbed. There was a lot of bleeding. He'd lost just lots of blood, like I think 800 cc's or something. I mean, some huge amount of blood. It, it the the bullet had gone through the boy's lung, um, and it just barely missed his heart and gone through the, his out the back and. And so all this bleeding was happening. He was on a respirator. And she had um, told people from our faith community, you know, please pray for my son. And we had prayed um, right away. We, we A lot of us were, were praying, but from a distance. And nobody went in person to the bedside. I mean, this was all happening in the middle of the night. And the next day, all the bleeding, I mean, the bleeding actually stopped quite you know rapidly and within a couple of days the boy was was up and walking and now he's back in his you know back in his house and um and the woman came to church for the first time this last sunday and and was just blown away i mean she was just crying through through a lot of the service and it's like faith has been awakened in her as she's experienced you know um i guess the healing of this of this Stepson, who she who she adores, um, from a distance. So um, may we become witnesses of of more and more um, signs and wonders like this, and may our faith um, be stirred up.